person to say, happy birthday, Sarah. Oh, Oh, well, thank you. And it was an honour to have your company at the cinema. It was. I mean, I very much appreciated it. I thought, I'm sure there are better things you want to be doing on your birthday than spending two hours watching a film with me. Do you know what? Mm. Most birthdays I've tried to go to the cinema. I like I like going to the cinema. And we saw La Crush Pizza, which is uh, getting lots of reviews at the moment. Whenever we go to the cinema, we never share what we think, do we? Well, I was we always save too. it. <laughs> I know. We're outside the cinema and I nearly just went into a ramble about something. Yeah. Like, no, we're going to wait. We're going to wait. Yeah, yeah. I afterwards read a few little reviews or just headlines of reviews and I saw the word somewhere meandering. I totally agree. I, I felt like yes. it was this story that just meandered here, there and everywhere into little story cul-de-sacs. Yeah, it was like spending whatever it was, two hours hanging out with a bunch of characters which loosely formed a love story. I think you've just got to be in an indie film kind of mood. Yeah. I was listening earlier to Mayo and Commode podcast and they say for any Paul Thompson Anderson film, you kind of have to watch them twice because they are a little bit indie and quirky, I'm hearing. But I have to say Cooper Hoffman was fantastic. He was great. Yeah, the son of the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. I thought he was brilliant. Not sure about Alana Haim, but pretty well acted, I have to say, all through and through. And I just sat back and just let it all wash over me. Yes, you're right. I think it meanders a little bit here and there but we've also got quite a few big stars in it as well haven't we? we've got sean penn and we've got also bradley cooper i kind of liked it really i liked it did you I like think... it you did like it okay I, I, wasn't sure. I was i was thinking i might like it more than i did but it is one of those films like you say you have to let it wash over you It's not like a conventional, nicely packaged up start, Mm. middle and end type film that you're used to. So it lingers in your head and it makes you think about stuff after you've left. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it. It's nice to watch something that's quite different. Yeah, definitely was. But that was the only film I have to say that I have seen since we last did the podcast. But there is one film I'm determined to see that I know you saw, I think, over the Christmas period, which is Encanto, because mm-hmm. my youngest daughter is just constantly listening to the soundtrack. Some of the tunes are even in the charts at the moment. And I feel like I'm missing out on something, especially given that it won a Golden Globe as well for animated feature. So whether that means yeah. it could well win an Oscar as well, I don't know. But yeah, I feel like I've got to watch it just to see what I'm missing out. Have you seen any others or should we crack on? I think we crack on now. We're back to work. Uh, So it's a bit harder to watch some of the films. Um, I think over Christmas period, I just vegetabilized and just watched a whole heap of films, which was what I needed to relax, which was great. But yeah, should we talk about The Lost Daughter first? I think we should. Okay. So released in 2021 and it's available now on Netflix. It's the directorial debut for Maggie Gyllenhaal and she wrote it as well but it's based on the book with the same name 
by Elena Ferrante. The casting is is amazing, actually. It includes uh, Olivia Coleman, Jesse Buckley, who's done quite a lot of TV before, Dakota Johnson, Ed Harris, and Peter Sarsgaard, who's actually her husband, and they have two kids. Now, it's all about Lida, played by Olivia Coleman, who's a devoted English teacher who travels to a small island of Greece for inspiration and some relaxation. While she's there, though, on the beach and enjoying a bit of the sunshine, a large family descend on it and start their holiday and take over a bit, which frustrates Leda. However, there is a young lady as part of that party called Nina that has a small demanding girl. Leda becomes fascinated with this Nina and triggers many memories, some from happiness, but majoritively are challenging parenting and adultery and more about her younger self, which leaves her slightly disturbed and emotional, which is not what you want from a holiday, is it, Rob? So, uh, yeah, I'm going to leave it as that. What do you think about the film? It was very curious. I saw this trailer in the cinema maybe a couple of months ago. And I think the trailer in some ways is a little bit misleading. You know, it looked like a twisted drama thriller almost of some kind when you watch yeah, the drama thriller. trailer. And there were two things that really stood out for me. One, it was tackling a subject which I think is fascinating, which is this whole notion of motherhood and dealing with a subject which Maggie Gyllenhaal herself said apparently when she saw this script it spoke to her because she could relate to this idea of parts of motherhood that are extremely challenging or mothers being in situations where they just feel incredibly desperate and struggling and questioning I suppose how fit they are as a mother that as a theme throughout this film but it's it's quite a difficult film to talk about because the more you talk about it the more you give Give away and and all this stuff is drip fed to you but the story being around a mother who has struggled in the past and is almost reliving those memories like you say through Nina who herself clearly with her younger daughter is struggling which leads later to some quite extreme behavior during the film. Initially, we see her on the beach and Nina loses her daughter and Leda actually helps and finds her. And But the further we go on, Leda's actions become more and more extreme and questionable yeah. and really very, very dark. And so there's uh-huh. the extreme at which the story goes definitely doesn't warm you to her character at all. However, no. I thought it was playing with an interesting notion that, and maybe this is really one I wanted to put to you, because there's no way I could possibly put myself in a situation to talk about this from any personal experience, of course. But surely there are times as a mother, especially when you first become a mother, that you must go through periods of just struggling to be a mother, questioning how good you are as, as a mother, maybe mm. becoming so stressed that at times you just need a release. Or that, So although I'm not talking about the extreme behavior we see Olivia Coleman's character play out, but it's that theme that they're wanting to discuss. Yep. And therefore, it's almost a subject that probably mums don't like to talk about. Olivia Coleman's character describes herself as an unnatural mother, which I think almost sums it all up. No, exactly. And I think that's where its strengths lie, because it's a bit of um, almost like a taboo subject, really. I think um, most mums, you don't get a guidebook, do you? Well, you get some books, but it's not your child that they're describing in these books, is it? In occasions where Leda, as a young mother, was was on her own quite a lot because her husband used to travel, it's certainly more challenging when any parent is on their own, not just a mother, a father as well, or even a grandparent. So... 
Yeah, I think uh, it, it's probably one of the first time it really touches on on that kind of side, which I, I think give credit to Maggie Gillinghall for developing a film that's wrapped around that. You almost feel it should have something on the back of it, whether they should have counselling or at the end of the film, it should have something like that. It did feel almost like a long BBC kind of movie, you know, TV movie, to be honest, rather than a feature length film to me, the way that it was put together. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point, actually. I could totally see this almost serialised, you know, yeah. as this yeah. being like, because one of the most intriguing things about the film is this whole beautiful setting at the beginning, her on this idyllic island in Greece and beautiful weather and et cetera, et cetera. And what I really did, I mean, it's pretty obvious in terms of like the way the iconography and everything, the way they did it, everything looks so pretty on the yeah. outside. But just under the surface, things aren't quite right. You get these um, little telltale signs. So, for example, she walks into her villa apartment and suddenly there's this really loud noise that I think is from the lighthouse. And she's like, oh, OK. And then the fruit bowl looks really nice the first time she they show it. And then the next time you see that one of them, I think it's the apple or whatever, it is rotten. And then you see some flying bug is on the pillow Uh, beside her bed while she's trying to sleep or she's on the beach and she's walking along and suddenly a pine cone just falls out of the tree and really does a bit of an injury on her back. But all these things that just simmering under the surface, which are also reflected in every single character in this, every single character you meet, no one is who they seem. Everything is behind the eyes and in the gestures. You know, there's like, hang on, there's just something not quite right with everyone here. No one trusts anyone. And the soundtrack does that thing of creating this whole sense of almost this slow impending doom as it were we're building to something here now what i found really interesting about it is it doesn't come you don't get this climactic (laughs) moment or ending that you you believe you're being deliberately led to and i think the trailer did a very good job of implying that that's exactly the kind of film right gotcha yeah i completely agree with that i kind of got to the end of it thinking well this is a really interesting film it's dealt with some interesting subjects and i heard one review say it's very active film as in it's a showcase for all these wonderful actors to kind of do their thing they're all very nuanced performances and as I say all these things are going on behind you know it's what's going on inside that you don't hear them say you don't see them do that's what's intriguing I found it intriguing I found it fascinating but you because you didn't really get the ending you thought you were going to get because there is a sense of closure but do you think it's the closure that you were expecting that's my question to you no and that's where I don't think this film really floats my boat let's just say because there's uncomfortable scenes and there's you think there's going to be a twist and then it doesn't happen and you think oh did that really happen is is this going to happen and and it doesn't so it's psychologically it gives you a little bit of a, a twist and turn but then but it doesn't actually deliver I don't think so and I think the acting I think the directing I think the cinematography is you know beautiful place that they were on and I love the fact that they zoom in on really close up to Olivia Coleman's character and other characters and I didn't say actually Nina was Dakota Johnson earlier as well but I wouldn't falter that I just I think it lacked substance is that the right word it's missing something for me well I think that was quite deliberate from Maggie Gyllenhaal I almost felt like she wanted to put a subject out there and just begin a discussion about something as opposed to tell the story with a neat ending 
you're right it almost feels like there should be a follow-up to it yeah <laughs> like, which is which is like, like, let's you, have a let's have a webinar everyone let's talk about you know parenthood yeah and it's almost like, like oh can i now go on and watch episode two you know I, I really wanted to like it, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I really like Olivia Coleman, who's the lead, lead actress in this. And apart from the favourite, I like most of her films and TV series that she's done. Maggie Gillinghall, we, we spoke about her in previous episodes when we covered Dark Knight and Donnie Darko as well. I just think it lacks a little bit of something in the script. Maybe it's how the book is. I, I, I don't know. But I don't think anything else was wrong at all. I thought everything else was fine. And it wasn't gripping enough for me. I, I kind of switched off now and then as well. But I have to say the start started off quite well. And I was thinking, yeah, that's like me when I go on holiday. I'll have a little snoop around, make sure there's no dusty patches or, or um, you know, there's no bugs under the bed or in the bed. So it was very natural, a lot of the scenes. But then it just, you kind of wondered, is this going to happen? Or And it didn't. It's a bit like licorice pizza. I sat there and whispered to you when it came to licorice pizza. I said, I think that person's going to get killed or whatever. And that doesn't happen either. So No, I think you're quite right that you think something's going to happen and it doesn't. And I, But I, I think it's one of those things because that was, I think, just so deliberate. It just made me really question whether it made it a film that I enjoyed. I was a bit like you. You could look at this film in a critique way and respect the film for what it's trying to get you talking about and the taboo subject it's dealing with and the technical quality of it and the acting and all the rest of it, which is clear. But ultimately, it's still got to be a story that's compelling at the end, even if it is Mm. ambiguous. And for me, it just didn't quite do that. Yeah, didn't have closure. Anyway, what are you going to rate it? I was going to give it seven and a half. It's seven and a half or eight. I'll, I'll, I'll be kind. I'll give it eight for what the film, for how brave it is, as I say, all those reasons earlier. But yeah, it falls down on the fact that it's not quite the story I wanted it to be. You're completely opposite to me and what I would give it. I'm actually going to give it a four or five. Wow. I, I didn't didn't enjoy it at all. And I kind of thought, do I like it more than Black Bear? I know they're completely different films, but I, I I wasn't engaged in it to give it a higher rating. So I'm going to give it, I'll give it a five for the acting and the cinematography <laughs> and, as a, and as a directorial debut, let's just say. Now I'm wondering whether I'm just being way too generous. For you, that's up there, well, down there with Vertigo. Yeah, Black Bear. Black Bear yeah, and Wonder Woman yeah. 1984. <laughs> I think I gave Wonder Woman 1984 a bit of a higher score. I Actually, thought. you gave it six. You gave it six <laughs> out of ten. Did I? Oh, okay. I might need to... I mean, no, I, leave no, it as it is. It. No. I just, well, I, that, mean, I, I mean, I'm giving it eight for what, as I say, it is a 7.5, which for me is a film that I enjoyed, but not that much more. I don't know whether that was the right decision to push it up to an eight. I think Coleman's getting a lot of rave reviews. She may get an Oscar or be nominated for an Oscar as part of this. Um, there may be some Oscar nominations for Best Supporting Actors as well. I mean, I didn't like The Favourite and that was a huge success at the Oscars. It's not for me. It's, it could be a critics film, but not for me. Yeah, it's definitely a critics film. No doubt about it. Probably worth noting that she was up for, unsurprisingly, a Golden Globe in Best Act. Uh, in a drama she lost out to Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos and Maggie Gyllenhaal also was up for best director in the Golden Globes as well there you go. Uh, yeah. lost out to Jane Campion for Out of the Dogs so yes yeah. I mean they've already garnered a few nominations and awards buzz mm-hmm. so it will be up there won't it in those categories I'm sure again in the Oscars Cool. So on to A Few Good Men. Don't know why I said it in that accent at all. It has nothing to do with the film. 
<laughs> on to a few good men. Good man. man. <laughs> oh, I love this film. It's a treat. So this is from 1992, a film directed by Rob Reiner, written by Aaron Sorkin. So originally a play that Aaron Sorkin wrote before it was then adapted for the screen, which is his first screenplay, as it happens. And this tells the story of two U.S. Marines, Lance Corporal Harold Dawson and Private Loudon Downey, who are charged with killing a fellow Marine, Private William Santiago, a training facility at Guantanamo Bay. We have Lieutenant Commander Joanne Galloway, played by Demi Moore, is passed over to take the case, which is instead given to the very cocky, blasé lawyer, Lieutenant Daniel Caffey. Not surprisingly, played by Tom Cruise, who's quite good at playing the cocky, young, upstart yeah. character. So Caffey is known for seeking plea bargains and all the cases he does. And he sees this going the same way. He sees it as a very open and shut case. Yeah, I can get them 18 months on the short sentence. But Galloway persuades him to dig deeper at the evidence because she suspects that these two accused Marines were actually carrying out what's called a Code Red order, which is basically a severely violent punishment, which you won't find in any handbook, which is used often on Marines or soldiers who aren't pulling their way or for whatever reason don't fit in etc etc so she suspects it's a code red given from their commanding officer lieutenant jonathan kendrick paid by keith sutherland who in turn would have been taking an order from his superior colonel nathan jessup played by jack nicholson initially kathy believes he's unable to prove it and then he comes into possession of some crucial evidence and with persuasion from galloway and a few reminders of his late father's achievements as this legendary lawyer he decides to take the risky decision to to pursue it and puts Jessup, who holds one of the highest ranks in the military on the stand. So that's pretty much it. Most people will know this movie, one, because obviously it's a pretty strong ensemble cast with Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Bacon, Jack Nicholson. The list goes on. Yes, it's a great lineup. It's an amazing cast, but they're all... And also the writing is fantastic. It's incredibly Mm. compelling to watch. They're all very, very strong performances. Most people will remember the courtroom scene with Jack Nicholson. Mm -hmm. You can handle the truth. That particular line has almost gone down in cinema history, as has, you know, there's so many quotes in this. I I just love it because I'm a huge Jack Nicholson fan. Are you? I didn't realise that. Yeah, massive Jack Nicholson fan. I mean, so often it's Jack Nicholson playing Jack Nicholson, but I just think he's great. And every single scene he's in, he just totally owns, totally steals. I think Cruise is just typical Cruise in his pomp. It's great to see Demi Moore and the rest of the big names. I just find it compelling viewing, really. And Dana Aaron Sorkin, this is one of his early films. We know him from The West Wing, Social Network, Money. Steve Jobs, Molly's Game that, of course, we saw he directed that. He directed Trial of Chicago 7. And more recently, actually, he directed Being the Ricardos, for which Nicole Kidman won the award. We just talked about that and I think is going to do very well in the Oscars. So, yeah, I loved it just as much as I thought I was going to like it. What about so you? I Yeah, well, so I watched it before and I remembered, obviously, some of the lines. Yeah, you can't handle the truth is one of them. I actually said it out loud just before he said it. But, um, I mean, the, the star cast is amazing as you've just listed and Demi Moore I think this was her purple patch time 1992 
Kevin Bacon purple patch time. And I think just Tom Cruise, Keith Sutherland and Jack Nicholson have just continued to roll them out. What was quite good is to see a young Noah Wilde that you may have recognised from ER uh, in, back in the day and Cuba Gooding Jr. as well as in it, early days for them. But I think they've got all these amazing stars and, and the legend Jack Nicholson because they've got a great director. They've got Rob Reiner who, you know, has already done Stand By Me, Harry Met Sally, which we've we've also reviewed and Misery as well. Big films just in the running up to this one as well so I think for any actor they would have loved to have worked with him I felt it was a little bit sexist <laughs> to be honest the reason being is that Joe Galloway Lieutenant Commander Joe Galloway was asked to investigate the Guantanamo Bay Marine murder but it was actually Tom Cruise's character Lieutenant Daniel Cafe it was a Navy lawyer that actually was the lead and he was more junior and I think if you had it the other way around she was leading it would it made as good a story basically I, I, I don't know it would have been interesting to see the difference there I agree with you, but it was implied that the reason she was passed over yeah, was not yeah, was on. not because she wasn't up to the task. It's because they wanted the case to go away. They gave yeah. it to Kathy because they knew Kathy would go straight for the plea, which would mean it would all just be done and dusted because the hierarchy knew that something happened and they didn't want it out there. That's one theory. But what's actually shocking on that note was that I read that an unnamed executive gave Aaron Sorkin a note. This is this is shocking. And he actually describes this, Aaron Sorkin, this incident as his worst experience as a screenwriter. So an unnamed executive gave Aaron Sorkin a note which says, if Tom Cruise and Demi Moore aren't going to sleep with each other, why is Demi Moore a woman? And to which he responded, I said the obvious answer, women have purposes other than to sleep with Tom Cruise. And in actual fact, they wanted to put a love story in there between the two. They wanted them to sleep with each other. They wanted there to be that romance. And it was only because Rob Reiner had such kudos as a director. When he came onto the project, he made sure that they didn't make that change because it's just a cliche. I was watching it thinking, yes, you could argue the depiction of her character and therefore giving the weaker role if you like I agree you watch it now and I was thinking I don't know whether they would get away with that today no I don't think they would I think it would get uh, downplayed and and they wouldn't be able to release it because I think women are more stronger and vocal about what their desires are and wants and you know we talk about Black Lives Matter like women matter as as well so I think you're right I don't think it would pass these days but it was still good watch and to be honest the actors that were in it like as you mentioned Tom Cruise playing that cocky kind of character that he did in Top Gun I think all the characters that were in it like Keith Sutherland's character Kevin Bacon just played how they normally play their other characters in other films and same with Jack Nicholson slight arrogance there and Demi Moore was purely there to be the pretty lady that potentially was eye-catching for for the men and I think it could be seen as a boys film with the topic and how Demi Moore's character was portrayed, I would say. But as I said, it's a good watch and how it evolves. I think at the end, I'm not going to give too much away. I'm surprised by how the Colonel fell for the trap. I think he came off a little bit stupid in some respects. And I don't think that would ever happen as well, because I don't think a Colonel will be that silly to make that mistake. Well, I Was thought... that too much? Is that too much no, I've given no, away no, there? No, no, you sure. gonna, no, I don't think you have given yeah. away too much. Uh, but I, I actually find that's what I found interesting about the film is that for all of the complex 
arguments or complex avenues they could have taken to try and make the case stick, the way in which they actually ended up doing it was incredibly simple, which is why it was a risk. They were just trying to utilize the nature of Jack Nicholson's Colonel Jessup's character to their advantage by rattling him because he's yeah. crosses this guy who the whole way it's like it's my way or the highway and you know I'm a marine and we don't care what you guys do on the outside this is how we do it and I so the sheer audacity to say well, actually why don't we just try it this way and see what happens and it kind of does and also I think it is worth making the note that of course you know Aaron Sorkin this was originally a play and I do think it's worth noting that it's Galloway's sheer belief and determination that she suspects yeah it's true two, yeah she's two, true. The, so there is some strength there yeah, definitely yeah, it's, yeah. It's she's actually, not like a dolly bird in it no, no ultimately um, no. she is the one I mean we experience her frustration we experience the fact she's passed over. We yes, know that she. So I we agree. kind of we're kind yeah. of with her, and at least she doesn't. Well, a she doesn't. At least crikey, she doesn't get into bed with Tom Cruise. And two, at least she she is the one that almost buddies him. She's the one that brings up his dad and says, "How could you live with yourself if you don't go through with this? Your dad never would have done that." And she's the yeah, one that kind true. of ultimately gets yeah. him to do it. But I I think my point is is I don't think. A role of that profile with a name of that profile in Demi Moore, I mm. don't think today that idea of a woman being passed over would, like you say, I, d- I don't no, think yeah. you'd be bold enough to kind of put that on screen in, in the way it was in 1992. Yeah. Does he play G.I. Jane after this then? <laughs> I can't remember. Is that her next role? It would surprise me. She starts getting stronger, doesn't she? Um, but it's interesting. With her that- characters. Apparently she was desperate to take this role because the films that came before this were all flops. It was The Butcher's Wife, Mortal Thoughts and Nothing But Trouble. So she was this big star. Then she had these three films that didn't do well. So she was desperately trying to get back on track. And so much so that she negotiated a three million fee for this role, but she went down to two million because she was competing apparently with Jodie Foster and Linda Hamilton. And she desperately wanted the role because she recognised how good it was. Uh, and it worked. Yeah, she went on to do Indecent Deposal afterwards. Yeah, and in, in uh, 1997, she did G.I. Jane. That ghost was the big one, and I'm presuming that yes, was before exactly. his wife, which was... 1990 was ghost. Yeah, there you go. I think it was a change of character for her, for everybody else. I think it was their usual character style that they play, but I did enjoy it. So for me, I'm going to give it seven and a half out of ten. I'm going to give it eight. I think you summed it up perfectly. Tom Cruise is playing Tom Cruise. Jack Nicholson was playing Jack Nicholson, as was Keith Rosen, as was Kevin Bacon. It's almost like, let's just get them all to do what they do best with a fantastic mm. script, a great director, mm. a pretty good courtroom drama narrative. Yep. And it just worked. There's a bit of cheesiness with it. As, like you said, it's a bit of a boys movie at times, and but it's still made for a compelling watch. So Yeah, exactly. Great. Okay, shall we move on to the, the films for... Oh, no. Did you want to talk Golden Globes? Who's talking about Golden Globes? I don't think many people (laughs) have talked about Golden Globes because I don't think it was released or broadcasted like it it has been in the previous years. Apparently, even on NBC, I heard they didn't even show it. They showed sports instead. No, it's quite quite deliberate because of all the controversy that's been surrounding the Golden Globes over the last year or so with, with no black representation on the voting board or whatever it is that blew up a while ago and people even returning their Golden Globes. In fact, Tom Cruise, I think, really? gave, gave, gave his Ooh, back. I didn't know that. So as a result, 
Absolutely right. That was a big thing with this Golden Globes. Apparently there was no coverage at all. If you wanted to watch the Golden Globes, you went on a website and literally refreshed, refreshed, refreshed. There was only one or two video messages. One was from one of the uh, recipients' Instagram. There was literally nothing. Yeah. But obviously, I suppose it's only interesting from the point of view. It's, it's an indication of where the Oscars will go. But yeah, we touched on a few there and no doubt some of these will come back up in conversation yeah. between now and the 3rd of February when the Oscar nominations are announced. Yeah. So new film for this week is The Tender Bar and it's directed by George Clooney. It's on Amazon Prime, but I'll hand over to you, Rob, to read the synopsis. Yeah, I read about this a while ago and I think anything that's directed by George Clooney is always interesting, worth watching. It's quite a short synopsis. So a boy growing up on Long Island seeks out father figures among the patrons at his uncle's bar. It stars Ben Affleck, Ty Sheridan and Daniel Ranieri. Ty Sheridan is from Ready Player One, isn't he? That's right. So, yeah, another streamer. Good. And then you're choosing for mine this time. I have added some over our little break that we had. Okay, so I have picked out of my golf hat adventure. Adventure. I have 34. I'm going to go for 30. I have no idea why. Just feel like it. I've got The Count of Monte Cristo in 2002 with Guy Pearce and Jim Cavazell. And I have never seen it. That's mm. a very healthy 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb, which is high for IMDb. So exciting. Directed by Kevin Reynolds, a young man falsely imprisoned by his jealous friend escapes and uses a hidden treasure to exact his revenge. So it is rent or buy, I'm afraid, at the moment. And it's on Amazon Prime and Apple TV. It's on most of the channels, to be honest, and Sky Store. So it is available, but you'll have to rent it. Okay. Or you may already have it on DVD. You never know. I also see Henry Cavill in the cast lineup as well. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. Well, on my to-do list, as I said before, this week is going to be watching Encanto. And as well as Encanto, I am watching this Jimmy Nesbitt thriller stay close i think it is on netflix so i will also be trying to work my way through that and there is something on bbc iplayer that i'm interested in because i went back and watched the fall recently yeah. with jamie dornan and i think he's in the, the tourist. tourist so i've completely binged watched the tourist i think ah. you watched most of it in a week really good a drama mystery thriller and Jamie Dornan plays really well and, and he got quite a few Australian actors in it because it's set there but um, also one person that pops up is Alpha Dari Olofsson he's American but you may remember him from the Eurovision Song Contest for movie oh, <laughs> as I the, love one of the that. main judge he's I the big guy film. the big guy with a beard he's he's in it yeah yeah Ding dong. That, oh, that's that, right. From that film. <laughs> it is Ya Ya Ding Dong movie, yes. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. I remember the sheer delight I had when I watched that film. It's absolutely uh, brilliant. Good. All right. So, uh, all full of factoids again, Mr. Rob? Well, I chucked a few in. I mean, I don't think I can compete with the amount I managed to wedge into Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, Die Hard's good, though. We love yeah, Die Hard. Right. So I'll see you next time, Rob, but listeners can tune in. All right, have a good week. See you later. Bye. Bye. My love for you grows long and strong. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. Can I have a whiskey or something?